Okay, hello everybody. Or, hello. Or, yeah, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast. This is the Macabre Podcast Universe, and we exist to prove people wrong when they say... Sequels are never better than the originals. And I'm hoping and expecting that after last week's episode... Uh, we got probably some new listeners who are fans of Mike Hanford mm-hmm. that that maybe enjoyed the show and kind of wanted to hear some more. And I'm also hoping hoping that people who weren't sure about this series or didn't know anything about it would potentially continue watching it. Yeah. Because uh, this is wild. The first movie, a wild ride. The second movie, it just continues on a wild ride. It, yeah, it was it was insane. Uh, so we're talking about Ong Bak 2. Uh-huh. And uh, welcome new listeners. My name's Micah McCaw. My name's Jordan McCaw. And we are married. We've yeah. been married since 2017. And you can check the county records on that if you want. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I was getting ready for this movie. I was researching the movie. And I feel like I kind of stumbled upon some insanity involving this movie. Like what? This. Well, I'm not going to tell you quite yet. But this is one of the craziest productions I've ever read about in okay. movies, oh. let alone this podcast. Like horrific? Well, I'll get to it. But like worse than Apocalypse Now? No. Okay. I, I mean, I think that kind of trumps anything. Okay. Uh, but this is, it's wild. It's really wild. Okay. And there's like hearsay and rumors and unconfirmed stuff. And but I Hollywood found, gossip. Yeah, I found enough articles that I feel like I... I there's at least some truth to everything that I'll be talking about. Okay. So, uh, without further ado... What did you think about this movie? Oh, oh, w- right off the bat. We usually talk about that before I know, we I do know. anything I else. Um, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it certainly has some, like pacing and story and and some of the editing's a little weird. There, yeah. There's some stuff that as we go along I'll talk about. Yeah. But this movie's just cool. Uh-huh. I was astounded. Yeah. And much like last week, um my jaw was on the floor at certain points in this movie cuz I Mine was most of the movie. <laughs> I've never seen like 60% of this movie I've never seen in another movie. Mm-mm. Like Tony Jaw is the man. Mm-hmm. Is it distracting having this up? No, is this it's bad? Fine. But if it's distracting you. No. Uh so we're we're taking a playbook out of Mike's play playbook. His playbook out of his his play out of his playbook, and we have the movie running behind us so that we can kind of take a look and see where we're at in the movie and uh kind of jog our memory when we need to. Uh, I just figured the rental wasn't expired, so we may as well take advantage of <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Um, so what did you think of the movie? Yeah, I loved it. It is... I, I gotta know what the budget is of this movie, especially oh. compared to the last one, because it is like... The production is crazy. And it, it just really seems is. really big. Like, like, built towns and, like, things. Yeah. So I, I gotta know that. Well, uh, yeah, so... Well, let me tell you the budget then. Okay. So the first movie, I believe it was one point one million dollars. Yeah. This one has an eight point or an eight million dollar. That's budget. it. So it's eight times bigger than the previous I mean, movie. Yeah, that's way more money than the last one. But there's like, like heavy makeup, and like uh-huh. heavy costumes in heavy towns. But not to get too ahead of myself. 
there's a lot of that money did not go into the movie. That $8 million. Okay. Because of some issues that we're going to talk about. With the million production companies and distributing companies? We will get to okay. it. But uh, yeah, so this this movie is eight times the budget of the previous movie. That's a lot. Yeah. I guess I should start getting into stuff now, huh? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this movie is directed by Tony Ja and Panna Riti Cry. And Panariti Cry was one of the uh, writers on Ong Bak One. Okay. Um, and then I couldn't find pronunciation guides for these, so I'm going to okay. do my best to get through uh, uh, these names. Um, so I apologize if I mispronounce any of them. It's written by Ek Lamekuen, uh, Nan Thakorn. Oh, now my eyes are just not being able to see. <clears throat> Nan Thakorn, Thawisuk, Tony Ja. And Hannah Riti Cry. And the cinematography is by the same person as the last movie, Natawat Kitakun. And the music is by Turdzig Janpan. Janpan. Yeah. Uh, and the movie comes out December 4th, 2008. Okay. And uh, December? Yes. Now, remember, I said it has an $8 million budget. Mm -hmm. Here's where it already starts getting interesting. Domestically, in the U.S., it makes $102,000. That's a lot. Not a lot. $102,000. Oh, sorry. I heard $102 million. $102,000. $102,000. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, you know, like, a, like an international release, that's not necessarily crazy if it's not a well-known thing. But, but the last movie, I think, made like two million in the u.s or something yeah. like that so that's yeah. quite a bit lower um and then worldwide it makes 7.5 million dollars yikes so they hardly break even they, they did not they did, break, did not even, break really. even um <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> so now is is where i'm gonna break it all down if you're ready any any other things to set before I jump into what this is? I literally is? don't know how this movie was made, so what do I have to say about it? I don't know. I okay. just wanted to clear the table here. Um, so, after the success of Ongbok and The Protector, which is another yep. series starring Tony Jaa. Did The Protector, I just can't remember, come out around the same time as Ongbok? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know the exacts on that, but we I'm will be it covering it on Patreon for any listeners that want to hear us talk about The Protector movies. Um, 2005. 2005. Okay. So, Ongbok, Protector than this movie um and so prey preachy pinkyow um is the director of the first movie mm -hmm. and the protector mm -hmm. and tony and him start having a contentious relationship because tony wants to start directing and kind of pushes him out oh. by all accounts that's what's kind of going on okay so that starts happening okay and the studio immediately bends to his will, and they're like, yeah, you can make Ong Bak too, Tony Jaa. And I he's, mean, it's not like they can just find another Tony Jaa. They don't grow on trees. Yeah. So, <laughs> And so he is given sole directorial directing on wow. this. So he starts directing the movie. But what happens when a man gets too much power? Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the the takeaway from this we'll see though maybe okay. you will think that but this is a quote from a 
a website called Screen Anarchy. Yeah. And I I did cite my sources, folks. I went to, I, I looked up like three or four different articles that confirm about the same information. Yeah. So this is pretty solid stuff I got here. Um, well, one of them was a Reddit thread. No. And the other one was a Facebook comments nope, section. <laughs> these were all articles. Uh, <laughs> so this is a quote that they wrote. The initial footage from this film, Ongbok 2, looked fantastic, but it didn't take long for strange stories to emerge from the set. Stories of Jaw sacrificing chickens before shooting for, for the day could commence. And things rapidly fell behind schedule and way over budget. Why was he sacrificing chickens? This is what we don't really know. Okay. So there starts being these rumors about him, him being kind of, you know, sacrificing chickens. Is it like potentially being super faithful to? Not they don't. I don't. We don't see chickens being sacrificed in this movie, but it's a, you know, hundreds of years in the past. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's not like Apocalypse Now, where you have a documentarian who is following. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. So we can only kind of like that's all I got for you okay. as far as facts go. Okay. Uh, the rest we can kind of, you know, glean our own opinions on. But that's the beginning of the craziness. So Tony leaves the set. He's feeling a lot of pressure. You know, when? he's he's this guy like during production. During the production, he's this guy who. Has be I, I saw one article talked about how his influence and him coming onto the scene with Ongbok and the Protector inspired like Donnie Yen to like re, like start hitting it again hard. Oh wow! Who had, who was already successful, but he was like, it, I'm seeing what this guy's doing, and yeah. I need to up my game. Wow. Okay. So like he he's having this influence on the martial arts scene where it's like, holy cow! Like martial arts are back. Let's do this. Yeah. And so he is feeling a lot of pressure. He's being told he's the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he leaves the set of this movie, and mind you, he's the star and the director, and he's gone for two months. What? Now, here's where it gets crazy, Jordan. I know you're looking something up, I'm but you have to... I'm just how old he was when this movie came out, and he was 32, which, I mean, to have that much power, he's young. Yeah, so rumors start emerging that he's involved with black magic and in Cambodia somewhere like performing black magic. What? Yes. And so like when I say, so if, if you, if this was like a Marvel movie, which is always my example that I go to and someone was like, Hey, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch disappeared. We would know where he was at. It would just be, you know, like Benedict Cumberbatch left the set. That's what we, you know, and we'd know he went someplace. People didn't know where Tony went. Yeah. Like, they don't know where the guy is. Yeah. So, the um, Panna uh, Riti Cry, who's who's going to become the director who finishes this movie. Yeah. Um, tracks him down, finds him, and brings him back. Okay. So, that's that's... Almost as crazy as it gets, but it gets a little bit crazier. Okay. <laughs> Tony Jaw then goes on TV, and he starts weeping. And like, he, look, this is daytime television. Like, it's a like talk a show. news, a news yeah. station. Um, and he is like weeping and talking about how he is going to finish this movie. He's going to figure out how to finish it. Okay. But he, it, it was labeled as like a meltdown on television. 
Ugh. Um, and then he sends demands to the production studio. Uh, called the production studio is Shaha Mongkol, saying he's gonna leave again if they don't agree to these seven demands. Wow. So here's demand one. He wants an extra 1.5 million to finish the last 20 percent of the film. That does not include the cost of the film, actor hire, studio hire, and theater run. Ja to choose his own production crew, which would include Ja's personal mentor, Pana Riti Krai, uh, Ja's personal manager to oversee the accounts for the total production, the film to be finished by November 30th, full disclosure of actor's fee and his director's fee, and Ja would get a $1.4 million share of the profits from distribution and ticket sales. Previously, Ja... And the production studio agreed that he would get 25% share of net revenue, yada, yada, yada. And then he would get, th this is a big one. He has an exclusive contract with this production company. And this would end, his seventh thing is like, you have to end my contract. Because he has a 10-year contract with the studio. Jeez, okay. So, he, <laughs> this is, I feel like I'm doing crime and sports here with what I'm about to say now. Uh, uh, so he says all that, and then a car pulls up next to him. And when, when, like during production, like what? Somewhere you, okay. I I couldn't find the information. Okay, a car pulls up, and people grab him and drive away. Huh? <laughs> so is he kidnapped? Leading many to say that he's kidnapped. Okay. Now, after he gets back, he says, "No, I wasn't kidnapped." But he did go to a police station and take refuge there. Afterward. What did he get involved in? Like what? Like <laughs> like weird? Like I don't know if it's a cult or like what did he get involved in? Where he was sacrificing chickens and then potentially allegedly practicing dark art. Yeah, that, which he denies all of that. Okay, but maybe if it wasn't something that salacious. Maybe he. I'm not saying this, but like definitively because uh -huh. i don't know but it's like what if, what if he like went on a bender or something i and there's really no way to know which yeah. is the the crazy part about it yeah but the people who uh quote didn't end quote kidnap him uh were studio heavies they were from the studio and they're labeled Jeez. as quote heavies uh and then when he reappears he says um that that it's not true he wasn't kidnapped. Uh but I mean we know that he was taken by like we know he was kidnapped yeah. basically. Witnesses saw him being pulled into a car. Yeah, and then after he goes to police and like hides there for a little bit, seeks refuge was what this article said. Once he comes back, uh he then drops his demands for the movie. Oh my <laughs> Isn't gosh. This crazy? That's crazy. <laughs> Is that not like one of the craziest it, things it you've ever heard? It just makes me wonder, like, what um, Thai the Thai filmmaking industry is because I mean, this is one production company out mm -hmm. of several. We saw that there were several production companies a part of this movie that weren't like there were more than one Thai ones. Yeah, I think. Um, but it does doesn't that just make you wonder, like, what the the cult the film industry culture is or whatever? Like, well. I, yeah, and how much of it is, you know, because there was a time when, you know, like the Italian mafia was like involved in Hollywood. I don't know if they were kidnapping people, though. Well, but, but remember that story we talked about in the Godfather episode where 
the guy who plays the singer in uh-huh. in The Godfather oh, okay. yeah. basically had a similar thing happen to get him on The Godfather. That Yeah, okay. So, like, this stuff is not necessarily a stranger to American Hollywood system either. Yeah. But I, I couldn't believe... When I was reading it, I was like... I, I was... Here's what I was expecting. I was expecting to start doing the notes and and basically say, yeah, Jordan, I couldn't find anything about the movie. They made the movie, and it was a big hit, and that's it. I did not expect to find this. And I, like, there was very little uh-huh. on the Wikipedia, uh-huh. but then I, you know, was following the articles and then doing Google searches, which I, I tend to cite, like, double-check stuff anyway. And, um, and that's when I really started finding stuff. How? But there's a little bit more. That's the craziness. Yeah. But this is an f- interesting explanation to the ending of this movie. So by all accounts, Ong Bak 2 was supposed to be Ong Bak 2 and 3. It was supposed to be one movie. Oh, okay. But all of this craziness that's oh, happening. And they couldn't finish it. The studio's hemorrhaging money. Yeah. And that's why this budget is ballooning so much. Yeah. So they say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Finish the movie right now, and then we'll make another movie. So that's why they split it into Ong Bak 2 and 3. Okay. It was just going to be Ong Bak 1 and 2. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 1 and 2. And so then they bring in Pana Riti Cry to finish directing and the studio brings in their new martial arts star, Dan Chupong. And that guy is the guy who attacks him on the elephant as the ghost crow. Oh, yeah, okay. So they bring him in. And all of this just causes the movie to do pretty bad. Okay. And and I know, like, I saw that, like, U.S. and European distributors, at least at the beginning while the production was happening, were like, I don't know if we want to be, like putting bids out on this movie because we don't know if it's gonna yeah because yeah and let alone i i think i think he well no i won't get into that because i don't know the information for sure so anyway um and the studio did not take legal action against jaw and that's the notes for ong bak too i don't even know how to process that isn't that crazy that's crazy it's a miracle that this movie got made it's it's not only a miracle, but I don't like. I never would have. Y- you know how the movie's good, like right. It, yes, that's the, what I'm trying to like, say. Like I I agree with you. Like there's some story stuff that's kind of like I I don't really understand uh, what's going on, how we got here, kind of things. Kind of yeah. like the first movie, but it's also like what we talked about in the last episode, where action heavy movies like this, like martial heavy heavy movies, for me. I don't really need the story to be that insane. I yeah. just need the action to be insane. And it was. So it's very forgivable for me. Yeah. And and I mean, I don't think it's any surprise or any secret that martial arts movies, the, especially ones that are run by like martial artists, don't necessarily have the most coherent plots. Yeah. I mean, we've watched quite a few and like three or four of them have been like, oh, that's like a really I mean, solid written. I story. would say the It Man series from beginning to end is probably the most cohesive, and yeah. probably I think is what what's helping that one is it's historical. Yeah. So I, maybe it's just familiar things to latch on to for me. But remember, but, even that one, like It Man Four, was terrible. 
What happened in that one? That was the one where he goes to America and starts training Bruce Lee. And like um Scott Adkinson is in it and and it's they ha like Yeah. It's that one I remember we were having trouble finishing. Yeah, but that I don't movie. necessarily remember being like, how'd they get to from here to here? That's true. Where, oh, like, I like see what in you're this saying. movie yeah. it's like don't really understand what that was about, but that's fine. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, I'll say this about Ong Bak too. I think Ong Bak one has the originality and the excitement of a new fighting style and this new star. I think this is a better movie. I think I would yeah. rewatch this movie more often than that one. Yeah, I like the the lore. I really thought the stuff. fantasy stuff was fun. Yeah, it was cool. And I, I, but I, but the the first movie, what it has that this movie I don't think could have done uh -huh. is that street chase. Right. That was just the. I've never seen something like that before. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, this movie, there's a guy dancing, not dancing, running across elephants, and I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah. That wasn't CG in any way, and I've never seen that before. Yeah. A fight scene with an elephant where there were some parts that were like, wow, that elephant was actually there. I, yes. I don't understand that. Well, when I saw the cut, so here's the other thing before we jump into actors, is I thought the crazy thing we were going to talk about before the production of this movie was the movie, like the poster I saw, yeah, has an elephant on it and Tony Jaw. And I was like, what is he's this? He's doing it right now. He, oh, he's running on the elephants? Oh my gosh. This was so insane because he's he's like pushing the elephant and I was going, what in the world is he doing? I couldn't even figure it out. And then he goes into a herd of elephants and he starts running. That's insane. But also it's like, is it really a herd of elephants? I just don't understand how that's possible to do this. And then this just made me think of another question that I don't know the answer to, but. Oh my gosh. He jumps from that big one to the little one. I, yeah. I, I just, it just makes me wonder like what, what, um, how much care or thought is taken into account for animal stuff? Oh, yeah. In a movie that's not American, because I'm American, I know that, it, especially at this point in history, it's very safe. It's so safe to the point where we don't even put usually put real animals and stuff anymore, you know? Yeah. Well, but, yeah. Um, it, But I know this movie is 2008, a long time ago. But it does make me just wonder, like... How were the elephants like? How'd you get? How'd you get a herd of elephants? Just how? I, for an eight well, million dollar budget? If we remember, we should skip to the end at the end of our episode that we're doing and look at the credits and see if it has a no animals were harmed. Because I oh. don't, I doubt this movie has that. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. But there was nothing that I saw though that made me think like that is harming the animal right. at all. But it does make me think like. Which I, I think that this is more of a nuanced thing that we're more careful about today of like, yeah. but what stress is the animal being put under? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not being physically hurt, but what about the years you're taking off of its life? Right. Kind of thing. But, I mean, he just jumped onto an elephant. It's in the crazy. Front. And then he smacks and he it on the head it. and tames it. That's crazy. It's it's I've never seen that before in a movie. But, so... Before we got distracted by the elephant scene, which is great. Now we don't have to talk about it later. Uh, the My expectation was the crazy part was going to be just the premise of this movie. Yeah. Which the So I, I looked up the movie before we watched it last night, and I see 
that it says like in the year 1400 or 1500 or something like that. And I go, what? Mm-hmm. Wait, what? The sequel, the prequel on Buck 2 is... But, you know, I th- if you're making a prequel, I was thinking, you know, it'd be like... You know, he had this other adventure oh, before of course, of he course. went to a uh, not this is island whatever. Not, not even connected. If anything, like we, Ongbok wasn't even in this. Like a no, there was, was a statue at the, the very end. end, though. But at the at the very end, obviously, yeah. if they had made two movies into one, if they had not had a hellish production, there yeah. would have been an Ongbok in this movie. But there basically wasn't. Right, and I'm not really faulting it for that. So. Um, before we go any further, for the listener, if you have not watched this movie, I implore you to watch it. Go to YouTube, rent it for four bucks or three bucks or whatever. Don't watch it on Hoopla. They put white uh, widescreen bars, and it was unwatchable. It truly was. We we started it, and it, we tr- we tried. We I could were... I couldn't like see the screen. It was no, so weird. White was... white screen bars are bad. Very weird. And they've never done that on any other movie we've it watched. Must on just there. be the the ver- whatever they have, you know. Yeah. Um, I have a question before jumping into actors because I got an ad for it on IMDb. Okay. Are they really making a limited series? On Billy the Kid? Billy the Kid. Oh, never they mind. Are? Go ahead. Wait, who's playing Billy? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> on IMDb, I've been seeing ads for Billy the Kid on like epics and yeah, it's just the poster alone. I'm like, this is a trash show. It's so bad. I can yeah. tell. Uh, no. Are they really making a limited series about Francis Ford Coppola making The Godfather, starring Miles Teller? Yeah, you... Yeah, you actually... I've brought this up? Yeah, it is. You have brought it up. brought it up on the podcast? You haven't brought it up on the podcast. Oh, phew. But is he really playing Coppola? I don't know if he's playing I, Coppola. Sorry, we got to think he's playing I got, someone else. I gotta know. But I'm not he's sure. Playing. Um, he is playing Albert S. Reddy. Okay. Probably Oscar winning producer. producer Albert S. Reddy's never before revealed experience of making The Godfather. So he's playing the producer. Yeah. Oh, the guy who plays Kowalski is playing Coppola. John Fog- oh, Fogler. Fogler. That works for me. Yeah. Will it- I watch the movie or the show? No. But <laughs> I was I- just like, if Miles Teller was casted as that, That's he's bad not casting. no longer just on notice. He's out. And I don't yeah. even want to see the, mo- the series to even know for sure. Who who did you add to on notice, or did we talk about that on? I mic? just said recently that Miles Teller has been on notice for a long time for me. Yeah, he's um, on notice for me too. It's yeah. all up to Top Gun Maverick, which by now we'll have seen two months ago. But yeah, uh, if he's great in that, he'll be back on top for me. I I, I feel like that's who we we're talking about. There might have been someone else. Well, you said that uh, the Joker guy. Oh, Barry, Barry, Barry Keoghan, Keoghan, he he's, he's on, on notice for, for me. you. Because Eternals was bad. He wasn't bad in it, but the movie was so bad, it's hard to think anyone was good in that. And then when I saw the Joker deleted scene, it's not that it's a bad scene. I, I don't know. I it wouldn't just, put anyone on notice for being in the Eternals. That's not their fault that that was a yeah. bad movie. That it's, was a it's bad the, script. It's the Joker thing that's he's on notice for. Okay. And and when I when I rewatched the Batman uh in theaters, I I thought that the Joker scene was even worse than the first time I saw it. Like his laugh is potentially the worst of the Joker laughs, potentially. Hmm. But he hasn't he hasn't really had a full moment to do give it. Give the kid a chance. Yeah, I do need to give him a chance. He's I just don't want to see that ugly makeup for an entire movie. I know. It's Me neither. really gross. Yeah. 
I'm really nervous with a, about a sequel. And I was really nervous about the Batman. Yeah. I liked it. But I have faith in the sequel. And I they greenlit it recently, actually. Uh, but I really think that and hope. I really think and hope that Matt Reeves is not going to make the next movie. The Joker is the main bad guy. Yeah. We got to get some new blood in Batman. We have to do someone we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. Please, I'm begging you. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. But the Batman rules. Great movie. <laughs> okay. So, uh, actors. So, Sarah Pong Chattree plays Chernung, the, like, head guy of the clan or the the... The guy with the curly mustache. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, He passed away in March of this year. Oh. Sad. Um, but he is also in the Tsunami Warrior, Beautiful Boxer. He's also in the next movie. Our pet. So he, he is in, like, Thai, like, yeah. exclusively Thai things. So a lot lot more Thai movies as well. And then Primrata Dejudam plays Pim, the older Pim, which is the girl. Okay. She is in The Gig, The Pai Jiao, The Cupid series, and that's about it. And then, um, fun that Pet Chitai Wong Kong Lao, uh, who plays George in the last movie, has a little cameo in this movie. Oh, yeah. Didn't really understand the cameo, but... It was fun. Yeah, that w that's a funny scene that we will talk about, of course. Yeah. Oh, the kid, the person who plays Young Tian, Young Tony Jaw. Yeah. Not not to deny Kong Thong. Uh, this is the only movie he's in, and I thought he was great. So that's surprising. He was really good. Yeah. Um, and then I want to find who plays the young Pim, young Pim, Prarinya Carm Q plays the young Pim, and this is the only movie she's in as well. I thought she was cute and good. Yeah. Um, oh, this guy, I think, plays the white-haired guy. Uh, Raja, Raja Sena Lord. Or it might play the big bad guy. The, or the, okay. I'm not sure, because there's no picture. Oh, yeah. Um, no picture? That's crazy. I think a lot of these people, this is like... Well, no, this person's in other stuff. But uh, this actor's name is... Serunyu Wongkra Ching. They are also in The Passage, or no, The pass, the Passion, Con Con, Tootsie's The Fake, The Stranded. I'm surprised this person doesn't have a picture. They're in like a ton of things. Anyway. Okay. That's about it. So there's your cast of characters. And so the movie begins, right? Mm-hmm. Now, very weird. We talked about our hoopla experience, but then after that, the credits roll on the movie at the beginning as the production credits. And <laughs> it's like they're sh it's showing footage of the movie. And then the production like logos are on top of the movie, which was so weird to me. It looked What do you mean on top of very the movie? Very bad. Like instead of, you know, you show like it says uh, Universal, and then the oh. movie starts, and it says yeah, Universal yeah, yeah. Pictures presents. It's like they slap the Universal logo in the middle of the screen, just cropped really small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> it was crazy because this movie is produced by Six Shooter, Magnet, some teardrop shaped company, Government Housing Banking, uh, the King of Duty Free. Yeah, <laughs> what? 
Seven, Kodak, Happy, and Nonviolent. Those are all the production companies. Nonviolent, do you think that's like an ironic production company name? And they do martial arts Man, I hope so. Yeah. Um, But then the movie begins. Mm -hmm. And we see this man riding on a horse very fast. With a child. With a child. And then there's these CG arrows that are flying by him. And I was kind of like, uh-oh. Because, you know, uh, sometimes like movie movies with an $8 million budget are not usually known for having great special effects. Yeah. Particularly in the year 2008. Yeah. So I'm thinking... But now... Knowing that this only had an eight million dollar budget, Insane. and some of even the CGI Insane. blood was no worse than three hundred or Ninja Assassin, right? Yeah. So awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. I, but what I was gonna say is like I'm a little worried because the last movie, the whole thing is like there's no CGI in this, and yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. wires. Like this is all real, and so I'm going, uh oh, is this a is this a classic situation where? They, they're like, okay, now you can do whatever you want. And they go, we know that other movies that are huge do this, so let's do all of those uh-huh, things. Right. And then they don't do them as good. So the, the beginning, I was kind of nervous. Okay. But we see this man running uh, on, his, or his, on a horse. He and drops he, off the boy. He just throws him, kicks him to the curb. Yeah. Rides over this hill, and there is an army awaiting him, and he is shot and killed, whoever yeah. this person is. And then the child is uh, picked up by people who don't really know who they are, but they have a cage of people, so you know they're not great. Right, And right. they throw them in the cage. And yes. they take them to some town, and they're they're going to... I think they're, like, auctioning off slaves. Yeah. Will we see them later do that? Yeah, so, so I'm assuming that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, and the kid immediately starts fighting the Kid doesn't know martial arts or anything, but it's just in defense mode. Not going to let anything happen to him. And he is then uh, just this crazy... I I can't remember exactly how they say it, but it's like, oh, you're going to be punished hard now and they like... (laughs) That's not how they say it. (laughs) No, they take him to like this area and they just dump so much blood on him. Yeah, which... Carrie couldn't even imagine how much blood was on this kid. Well, and and that right there, I was like, okay, I'm back on board. Uh-huh. Like, what is I this? I thought the movie looked good. Oh yeah, the movie looks great. Yeah. Um, I they, they it, it, part of it though really feels like I don't know if this is like necessarily just a director thing or it's partly cinematographer or whatever this is. It almost feels like someone discovered slow motion for this movie because <laughs> yeah. there is so much slow motion. Well, I mean, they got to capture that action, baby. Yeah. Um, I, I was noticing that most of the movie is, is even, even when there's not action going on is filmed at a higher frame rate a little bit, Yeah, which was just kind of an interesting choice. Yeah. Not necessarily bad. The, the only reason we decide upon 24 for the most part is because of like an arbitrary thing to help projectionists remember what to do back in the yeah early 1900s or whatever. Um, maybe not that early, but anyway, so, um, this is chugging along and then he gets put into this muddy water mm-hmm. like a pit a pit and i and i said to jordan i'm like oh please be an alligator please because i'm thinking thailand that's what i said but oh, it was okay. a crocodile okay um but i'm thinking thailand like they got those creatures over there yeah 
And then th- this scene too, genuinely shot in a very scary way. I agree. It was great. The tension was incredible. So there's all these people around this this water and you can't see in the water at all. Yeah. And then this gate opens. <laughs> I Thinking about it freaks me out a little bit. And you just see like ripples of water heading toward this boy. Mm-hmm. And then this thing jumps out of the water. And folks, I, I don't know how much is animatronic, how much is what, but there is a real crocodile on set for sure. Yeah. Because nothing in the scene was CGI. Yeah. And when I had seen the cover of this movie, I was like, okay, there might be a lot of animals. They're probably all going to be CGI. And it's going to be them just going way too hard. Yeah. Not the case. No. <laughs> and so this crocodile jumps up at this boy several times and he's wrestling it uh-huh and it's doing the whole rolling over thing in the water yeah i mean that right there i was like if the rest of the movie sucks i haven't seen that before and we haven't even seen him run across elephants yet. <laughs> i know and jordan this movie is not like like th- folks if you want to be cool i'm telling you Watch this movie because this is not a very well-known movie in the U.S., I don't think. Uh-huh. I mean, Ong Bak is on the little bit of the fringes, but Ong Bak 2, uh-huh. not so. Yeah. So get on it. Yeah. Don't don't make this the one series on our podcast that you go, I'm not really interested in listening and watching along mm-hmm. because this is crazy. It's, it's cuckoo crazy. So as this is all going on, uh, Chernung... Uh, he like stands up. Oh, for, first of all, though, in the scene, it keeps cutting to him spitting, and it's so gross. And <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, spitting yeah, yeah. in slow motion, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is just kind of like. So I'm supposed to hate this person, right? Right, right. Um, he stands up and is like, "You take your life into your own hands, or something," and like throws a knife into the pit, and the yeah. kid goes. He has diving to dive for it. into the water, get the knife, and then start attacking and then this he, crocodile. He does best the crocodile, and while that's happening. Uh, there's like a um, an ambush. Fighting starts happening. Yeah, so like, what's his name again? Chernung. Chernung. That's a cool name. He, it's like his crew of people are there and they were gonna ambush this place and then he sees the promise of this boy. So they start their ambush and he also gives him a chance to join his crew. Uh-huh. So already I'm like, Cool. This is a good story. I'm in for this. Oh, yeah. And this scene is so crazy that I have never seen this weapon before that wasn't in a Marvel movie and was CGI'd and was magical. A dude yeah. just has the the rings. The, the like 10 rings thing. The Shang-Chi rings, but they're, they're, they're real like and they're on by chains. chains. And it looked like it hurt. And yeah, he flings them like they do in that movie. Yeah. So that's a real weapon. Effing cool. Awesome. Yeah. So already... I'm like, Tony Jaw hasn't even shown up yet. I know. And I'm pretty on board with this movie. Yeah, me too. And I'm just kind of loving how unapologetically it is not trying to be a sequel to Ong Bak. This is a touch, too, that they nailed that is usually not nailed. And I'm now hearing the budget and just more impressed on the attention to detail. Yeah. Is the teeth were all just so gross in the movie. Oh, yeah. Which is a thing that I think a lot of people complain about in and things set in these time periods or like fantasy worlds even or something like yeah. that where it's someone like, smiles and they're just pearly whites yeah and so but like everyone doesn't look good <laughs> yeah um so then after that he 
he meets with this guy, and I couldn't figure it out, but he had like I think he had prosthetics over his eyes. Oh, really? Because his eyes didn't blink the whole time, and and they were like a pure white in front oh, of his eyes. I thought he was wearing contacts. No, but it almost looked like there was like plastic around his eyes. Oh, okay. Um, and he's like this mystic guy from the village that, um, Chernung, Chernung is from. And so basically, they're like, "Wow, this guy's cool." And he goes, "Hey, you can train here or you can leave." Yeah. And he decides to train there. Yeah. So then he's training, and then it cuts to him uh, as an old uh, as an old man now, old um, man, a man as Tony Jaw. Yeah. And he, that's when he jumps on the elephants, which we talked about. Uh-huh. Um, and again, that sequence was even crazier than the crocodile. Uh-huh. Um, I like that it's a, several different types of martial arts. So we do see it actualized in like his test where he has to fight someone with a sword, which is bonkers. Uh-huh. And then he has to fight someone with just martial arts. Yeah. Bonkers, and then he fights another person with just martial arts, but it's also like it just feels different than the other one. That's crazy. That's crazy. Meanwhile, it keeps cutting to this other guy who's like, like teaching him magic. And wait, when? When they're doing all the training. Yeah, but I truly could not understand what was going on with that because yeah this is how it was <laughs> the guy it was had, presented very strange yeah it, it did not make sense but like i think he was teaching him the art of illusion and distraction but in one which hand, does have a payoff in the movie it does it does so i feel good about it now but please but like the guy like has a, a little tiny string that's on fire that you're you're watching the fire and then he <laughs> he like pulls his hand away really quickly and with the other hand he has a bird in it and it's like, yeah, you just had the bird in the other hand. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not. I can do that. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, other than it, like, I don't think it was ever supposed to be magic. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was obvious that it was supposed to be just an illusion. Either way, it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but then it feels like also part of his test was going into a cave and fighting like a cat woman. Before we do that, though. Yeah. Uh, he has to like finally fight all of the guys, uh, and he has to fight three men to like be trained. And so he fights this one guy who has a ponytail, and he whips it yeah. around his head, and it wraps around his neck. Yeah. Then he fights a guy that's um, like tattoo faced, and yeah. he looks crazy. And actually, that might be all of them. I th- but I, I thought there was a said third. Too. Oh, you did. Yep. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I was thinking there was. Some in the training montage, but... No, I'm talking about the test. Okay, my bad. And then you had to bring it back to the training montage. So let's talk about Lion Woman. So uh, I guess he (laughs) had to go in and fight a Lion Woman and kill her. Yes. So this this part of the movie I was a little just unclear of, and I think it's just (sighs) like the world I don't quite understand. Yeah. And. I don't even know if the movie's at fault because they didn't explain it because it's like maybe they didn't need to explain it. But she's like a cat. A woman. Cat. She's like a lion because she's making lion sounds. Yeah. Yeah. But but it starts with him walking in the cave and he's hearing like, help me, help me. Yeah. And, he's, and then they start fighting and it's crazy, ruthless fighting. And then he like sl- slits her throat and she dies. And Chernung is watching and he is he says something like, Man doesn't truly know mercy until he ha- takes a life. Something that is like 
a profound statement that was a little weird. Yeah, yeah. Because just because usually when you're like with the protagonist, death is should never be an option. Yeah, which that's just what I'm conditioned through yeah. Marvel movies and stuff. But with with this one, I thought it was cool that he there wasn't a point where it was like, hey, you need to remember like mercy. Yeah. I thought it was cool. That, like, I thought that made this movie kind of unique that he is, it doesn't feel like, he, well, he is fueled by vengeance at certain points, but it is like, it's a different world and this is how you have to do it. And yeah. this is the beauty of martial arts. Sometimes you kill. or yeah. so, Like, I just, again, it felt like the movie was just kind of unapologetically like doing its thing. Yeah. So if you're upset by that, then... The movie's like we don't really care. Yeah. If you if you don't like that, we're still going. Right. But sometimes it just sometimes when you watch a movie, you're kind of like, man, it it sure would just be easier if they just killed that guy, or you know, uh-huh. like like this character isn't necessarily like totally moral. They can just kill this guy. It's fine. Yeah. And this movie's like, yeah, he has to kill. Yeah, I know. We we don't have to figure out ways for like the bad guys to accidentally die so that you don't feel bad as a viewer. He'll just kill him. Yeah. So I I liked that element a lot. I, I almost think that like when he beats someone, or or maybe with the lion woman, I just thought like this is this is kind of bordering on fantasy mm-hmm. in a way that I really like. So I just kind of imagine that when he killed her, it was like he then was able to take like the lion power. Hmm. Because after that in the movie, he's then able to scratch people with his claws. Oh, interesting. So that that was kind of what I thought. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, when he's attacked by this like ghost crow thing, uh-huh. I, I was just like- Which he doesn't beat. He doesn't beat, no. Yeah. Um, I just thought like, I think there's some like cool animal spirits thing happening yeah. that I don't fully understand. Don't fully understand, but I'm here for it. Yeah. It almost feels like those characters are supposed to represent like those real animals, mm-hmm. like they're actually the real animals. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But either way, freaking cool. So he completes his training and he is dubbed like the leader of the of their raiding missions. Yeah, because they are like van- like criminals or outlaws. Yeah, they're outlaws. They even say that. Um, so then it, it does a hard cut to them doing a raiding mission. And this is part of the story part where I am a little lost on like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they're outlaws, but it is like, who are these people that they're raiding? What's the statue that they're taking? Yeah. And I'm assuming, I'm, I guess I'm assuming it's like the people who end up, they, they face off. He faces off with. Yeah. Like that clan or government. But it still was a little unclear for me. Oh, yeah. I had no idea who he was ambushing. Yeah. But cool scene with the rafts and stuff. Yeah. And the way they, like, disassemble them and trap them was very cool. Yeah. Um, And even for a a scene that was so dark because it was at night, it was pretty easy to track. Yeah. Well, they lit the scene instead of... (laughs) Just fighting the shadows. Desaturating everything and whatnot. Yeah. so then the son, so then we flash back and we have this long sequence where he's a child. Uh-huh. And we see that his dad is a lord yeah. of some sort. And because there's this dispute or a fight or something, like he has to be in the capital or something like that. The government's like kind of crumbling. Yeah. Um, 
And so, hey, remember we talked about prequels and how they have to be about government stuff. This the first movie didn't have any government stuff, and this movie does. Well, and it's a prequel. A refer- oh, because of Star Wars and Secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah, but this one is in a good way. Well, it's also not about the government crumbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's happening, and he drops his son off at a dance school. Oh, it's a dance school. Yeah, because he complains how like he he's gonna learn dance, but he wants to be a martial artist. Okay. And while he's there, he meets this girl. Him. Him. And who's an orphan, and they become friends. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a little something there. Oh, I didn't get that at kid stuff. But well, they're like like it's cute kid stuff. Okay. Um, and then they steal a bell from a man. Mm-hmm. George from the first movie. <laughs> now this scene didn't make any sense to me when nope, they stole the bell. Other than it just maybe illustrating kids being mischievous together and having fun. Well, it it is. I mean, that's probably one of the reshoots because they were probably like, why do we, like, how do we know this is the girl from the beginning? And Hmm. she's not even in that scene Mm -hmm. where he steals the bell. Um, She is, but she's not (laughs) orchestrating the bell thing. But I mean, the actual like shots of the two of them, she's not in. Yeah, right. So it, it really feels like they were like, we need to figure out a way that he knows that the dancer is her at the end of the movie. That. Yeah. And so they shot the scene that the girl's not in that look that that doesn't really make any sense where they stole the bell from this yeah. lunatic, I guess, like the town crazy. Yeah. So, um like just, that part didn't work for me. But no. and but when it happened to, I, go ahead, sorry. No, it's okay. You can go. Uh, it was just a classic when it happened. I was like, "Oh, okay, that bell's coming back so that he knows who the girl is later in the movie." Yeah. <laughs> uh but to go continue on with the past stuff because I think we do a little bit of jumping around at this point. Um so his parents are trying to come back for him. No, what is it? That he is going to be taken away because things are not going well in the capital. So he needs to be protected or reunited with his parents. So this yeah. guy is taking him away. And then this other guy catches up with them. And pretty much you find out this guy who's taking Tian away is going to betray the kid. So this other guy comes to save the kid. And that's from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. The horse that he's on is with the guy that saved him. Um, and then when the kid does get thrown off the horse, he doesn't just immediately get picked up by those dudes that we talked about at the beginning of the movie. He like goes back to where his parents are. Right. To try and find them. And the dad is like having a duel with someone in this creek and his dad gets killed. Yeah. And then the mom gets killed and he witnesses it. Right. And then we're caught up on kid stuff, right? Yeah. And then we have the slave trade scene. Uh-huh. Which I believe we've caught up to the movie here. This is about to be done, but yeah. Okay. Um. So he go. Is this when he says, like, is is this when the guy says that that you? No, no. It's after this. Okay. It so is. so this scene, it's like we're we're back with those bad guys from the beginning of the movie, and there are slaves in cages again. Children yeah. are separated from adults, and this woman's going to be sold. And you're like, okay, this is the same area from the beginning with the kid, because we also recognize that guy. That it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to describe. It, it's a guy that was mean to the kid. Yeah. But years have passed, and now he looks different. But he's still a bad dude. Um. And he's going to sell this woman, and then someone like throws a pot at him. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. And 
he's like running through the crowd like was it you was it you was it you and then he starts fighting this random person yeah and then one of the grossest things i've ever seen so it's tin and yeah. he's like he's like acting like a drunk person right but he uh punches through a pot of water and <laughs> yeah. i thought that he was like stabbing the guy with shards of the pot but no he was holding on to the man's adam's apple and like jamming it up and down his throat it was yeah. so gross to look at. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> and then he, with his fingers, fingers alone, this is, goes to the lion thing, powers yeah. that you said, he puts his fingers in the corner of his mouth and jokers the guy. Yeah. He gives him a scar. Same year as Joker. Same year as Joker. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that's Dark gross. Night. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, like, his the crew shows up and everyone starts fighting. Well, no, no, like all of the bad guys start fighting Tien and he starts just going ham on some people and it's crazy. He he at one point gets thrown to the ground and he exclusively is fighting with his legs and feet for a long time. (sighs) And the way they do it, I'm telling you folks, it looks like that is not only the only option, but the smartest option. Uh Uh-huh. Because sometimes stuff like that just looks silly Uh and it looks legitimately like, well, yeah, you had to fight that way. Of course. Uh Uh-huh. Oh it's my gosh, so it's so cool. cool. And it's, is that the, that's like the first, no, no, we've had a couple scenes with Tony so far. Mm-hmm. Um, So there's all of that. So they like, they, they carry out this raid and it's successful. They, they free the slaves from the cage, cages yeah. and stuff. And then it's when he's back with Chernung and Chernung is pretty much like, I think he knows that this raid that Tian did was almost like unsanctioned or something. And Turnung learned like, oh, you have unfinished business. Yeah. And basically, I, I feel like he was even saying like, we're all about revenge here. So you can't, you shouldn't, you can't be working for everyone else until you finish what's yours. And that, then he said like the nicest thing <coughs> where he was like, and you can go, I go finish what you need to finish and we'll be waiting for you. Instead of, instead of like, you need to make a choice right now. I know. <laughs> and, and, and this is when I wrote, um, he needs to go get revenge before he becomes outlaw king. Uh, yeah. The guy says, we're going to make you outlaw king. Which I guess if they are truly outlaws, all of this character-wise makes so much sense. Yeah. This movie rules. Mm-hmm. This movie's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should have made more than uh, $7 million at the box office. Yeah. Uh, but here's here is so to criticize the movie a little bit, there's a few funny details that look like th- the filmmakers don't necessarily know what they're doing. Um, and it feels like they're kind of doing a like, oh, we can do that that movie thing that movies do. So one being like CGI arrows, a okay. CGI moon, uh, like the flaming fire, like some of it's like, hey, we can make a huge fire thing over here and we'll just CG it and post. Yeah. And some of that feels a little like slow your roll a little bit. Yeah. And then a big one I thought is I thought the sound design in this movie was not great. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. But it did feel like someone who maybe grew up watching like American movies or something like that and was like, oh, we can access their same sound library. Let's just do it exactly how they would do it. Right. And there was a few times where it didn't even match up with some of the hits totally properly yeah so i and i think sound design is pretty important with any action i mean any movie sound is really important Mm -hmm. 
uh, more important than people realize. But I think with action, it can be especially exciting. I just cut that guy's so, wrist artery. Crazy. But crazy. anyway, but th- yeah, th- 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 that's kind of like if I if I had to critique something about the movie, I think those things could be improved. Yeah. Um. I mean, the sound design was probably the least of their worries at that point when they lear- when they could not find the director. Well, and oh, for a couple months. You know what? Now that I'm, you know, sound is one of the last things you do. So uh-huh. they probably were like, we have to get this movie out. Yeah. So they are like, instead of let's have a bunch of different punch sounds, let's just use like ten and just reuse them over and over and over yeah, in the movie. I think that's what happened. It'll be really interesting to see what Ongbok three is like. I know. Um. So. Then we cut to this other uh, kind of temple area. So this, I think, is like the government. This is like the okay. capital is okay. what I'm thinking. This is also something that's just a little unclear. Yeah. Uh, I loved the set design. I love actually all the set designs, I think, look great. And i perplexed yeah. that this movie was this cheap. Um, but this... And it would have been cheaper if, if it didn't get off track. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's like it's like a ceremony and we have like the let's just call him the big bad guy who's responsible for the death of Tian's parents. Yeah. Um he's like the commanding officer at the time. He doesn't strike the blow, but yeah. he's at the scene. Yeah. And so there is this I wish I'm assuming that there is a name for it, but I don't know what it is, but there is like a dance performed. Yeah. That is very traditional, uh Thai traditional that is really long and I liked it the whole yeah. thing. It was just very nice. I'm glad that they took the time. I feel like there were a, a couple things in this movie um, that are like, oh, I think if, like, this movie's only a minute, or a, a minute, <laughs> this movie's only an hour and 37 minutes. That's a short movie. And there yeah. were still things that were like, oh, I would have cut that. Yep. Yeah. But it's also like, they probably got to the point where they were like, we can't cut it. It's well, so that, short. That's what I wonder is like, you know, when we watch Ongbok 3, are we going to be like, oh, if only they cut like a half hour from that movie and cut an hour from this one and it was just two hours? I think so. I think so. You know, or or is it really going to work? Because I, I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, this 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 series is already much more fascinating than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was but, just going to be like, that was fun. We watched three crazy movies. I know. But it's crazy beyond so that. So the main dancer is Pim, and we know that because uh, she's wearing the bracelet. The, with the bells on it and it just keeps <laughs> the bells are jingling so much and it keeps on like showing the sleigh bells yeah like we get it we but they do it. their they do their dance and it's very beautiful and then this other person does a solo dance and it also feels traditional it's like animal yeah. based they rain like a a falcon mask or an owl mask i'm not sure or what probably whatever that it's probably a crow crow thing um and the, that's just so cool it's Tony, of course, but, um, and then the seamlessly, the mask will change into an alligator or a crocodile mask. You don't yeah. quite see when it happens because the choreography is so cool. And that dance was really long. And I also liked the whole thing. I thought it was cool. Yeah. And then he uses his moment of illusion, Michael. Mm-hmm. And he, um, it's not magic. It's an illusion. And he throws down these like grenades, these little explosive, mm-hmm. you know, grenade things. And then he starts attacking. Mm-hmm. And then he gets the guy, or we think he does. Mm-hmm. And then 
he heads back to his village. Unless you had anything else to talk about. He takes the guy to his village? He doesn't take the guy to... No, then he goes back to the village. Did you say that he sliced him up? He sliced... No, I didn't. Yeah, he like like puts a couple licks on that guy. I thought he was just going to straight up... Like, that was it. He was dead. What is the rest of the movie about? Yeah. Because he slices into his back several times. And I think he even gets his throat a little bit. When and I was thinking about the conversation we had last week with Mike, where we kind of talked about how in action movies, a lot of time the last action sequence is not the most exciting. Uh-huh. And you're kind of twiddling your thumb. So I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. He just got the bad guy like right away. He got his. Yeah. But then he comes back to the village and it's abandoned. Yep. And so you go, oh, okay, that wasn't the last fight. And then is that when... He fights just a ton of people. On this, like, scaffolding stuff? But they do the choreography well to where everyone is spread out throughout the small village. Yeah. So it's not like there are ten people surrounding him waiting to get in. There was one moment that did do that, but they, they cut around it well. Yeah. And so he, like, goes to one area, fights a person, and then another person jumps on him, and he has to fight them. Meanwhile, this dude that looks like he's from Monty Python is, like, waiting to <laughs> yeah, fight yeah. him the whole time, and he looks really devious. Yeah. Um, and duplicitous. Um, but, yeah, the, the fight here, the, all the fighting here was crazy, crazy. Yeah. And and so he eventually gets on this, like, scaffolding-type thing. Mm-hmm. But you love to see scaffolding in a martial arts movie, what I say in the last one. You said that? <laughs> um, and he's fighting two guys. And they, he, they do an incredible job on this where where it really feels like the action is balanced between the two fighters to yeah. where it never feels like the other person is just waiting to jump in. Yeah. Like, it's so good. Uh-huh. But then eventually the Monty Python knight says, I'll bite your legs off. And then he, it's, like... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He, like, pushes him down all the scaffolding. And is this when the elephant comes in? Not yet. Okay. My dear. He pushes him down. Then the guys circle around him, and they're fighting some more. And he's, he's like, hurt now. He puts, yeah. like, sand on his wound yeah. to stop the bleeding, to cauterize it, as they say. I don't think that's what cauterizing means. I think it is. I thought that's when you, like, put something hot on something to stop it from bleeding. I, I think it's any any way to stop the bleeding oh. is to cauterize something. I'm just going to do a quick Google. Okay, fine. Let's hope it's not this tomorrow's wordle because that would be too many letters for one. Burn and, the skin or flesh. Did you hear that first word that's pretty important? Oh, Burn the oh. skin or the, the flesh of a wound with a heated instrument or caustic substance, typically to stop bleeding to prevent or prevent the wound from becoming infected. What's a caustic substance, though? It said, or a caustic substance. So maybe like... Caustic. Able to burn. Hmm. Or corrode organic tissue by chemical action. Or sarcastic in a scathing and bitter way for the more... Okay, what's that uh, word bitter mean? (laughs) (laughs) Dang. I didn't know that. Micah's got egg on his face. Yeah. I wish I'd just scrambled it instead. Because I'm hungry for eggs. Well, it's on your face. You can do that if you wish no it's too dirty got a dirty face all right (laughs) so the guys circle him and then an elephant walks into the battlefield Uh uh-huh and i mean i have to imagine at certain points there was i don't know it looked like it was a real elephant the whole fight and he's like fighting guys and like making them bump into the elephant yeah he's swinging off the tusks of the elephant 
Yeah. He is running underneath the elephant. And then a fight takes place on the elephant. That's when it gets wild. That's when I don't think it can be a real elephant. There's also, you can hardly see it during that fight. But there are some shots where you can. Yeah. So I, they probably had like one that was built that they could fight on, but then they're like, okay, we'll do select shots on the real elephant. Yeah. And a like crow, crow raven thing jumps onto the back of the elephant and they fight. Yeah. We've not seen this character. Now, I think typically I might think to myself, this should be explained better. Who is this? What is this? I was just, when I saw it, I was like, I don't know what that is, but it's cool. And for some reason, it makes the lore of this movie even cooler. Mm -hmm. And I thought about Lion Woman earlier. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, there's just weird animal witch people that fight. Yeah. In addition to this. And I hope that in the next movie, there's like at least one more of those. Yeah. I'm assuming the the murder crow guy will show up again. Yeah. Um, He kind of just goes away. Yeah, he fights, but he bests him. Yeah. Tony does or No, no, the Yeah, the, the crow. Yeah. And then then we have like uh, so back to what we talked about last week. This movie ends on a high note as far as action cuz we're at the end. And I even said this last time, they save their emotional climax for this final scene. So he's like fighting all these people and is getting really hurt, and then eventually is just surrounded by all these people, like an yeah. army. And it's like, wait, what's going on? Yeah, because I'm like, I, I didn't know that the other movie was connected. Like, at this point, I'm thinking maybe each Ongbok is just a random point in history or something. Yeah. But, so they save the emotional core so that this feels like the actual climax. Uh-huh. So then the guy that he thought he killed at the dance shows up. Yep. And he pulls back basically like, I had armor on you, idiot. Like, I'm fine. Oh, I thought that meant now he's wearing armor. Oh, I thought he meant at the time. Yeah, you're probably right. But we're about to see that scene where they they fight, so you got to tell me how much blood is spilled. Okay. Um, I don't think we'll get to it, but yeah. And then the guy goes, basically like, let's see who really killed your father. And the the Black Knight from... Earlier in the movie, who killed his father comes out, and we see that it is Chernung. Chernung, the guy who's been mentoring him and training him this whole time. And Chernung basically goes, I didn't know that you were a traitor, being that he was with his father and like that political side of things. Right, right. And he's like, If I'd have known, I would have killed you. Right. And I and I was like shocked by this twist. I thought and this was an incredibly good twist. I this I agree. I agree. I love it. This is where I kind of wish they had done a little bit of a better job on the whole what's going on with the this war. Because like they start fighting. Yeah. And they're in the Chernung is telling them like your people should have been wiped out. Like you're the last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna ex- make you go extinct. Like you're disgusting people and stuff like this. And it's like I don't quite understand why. Yeah. Other than throughout history, people have only been trying to eradicate other people. I get that. But do you know what I mean? Like, I wish it had been yeah. a little bit more clear of that stuff. I totally get what you mean. I did not feel that way. Well, but I think, shut up. I think that's a valid, yeah. a valid criticism. But I was just like, broad strokes, I'm good. Sure. Um, And then they're fighting. And... 
Chernung throws his sword at him. Like, he's they holding onto it. They meet swords. And Chernung's sword... No. Tian's. Tian's sword is, like, embedded within Chernung's sword. And I- I'm like, this movie's just hitting everything. And then, that, like, Chernung is basically like, let me die. Well, no. Oh, no. you have the quote? He says... Let me repay your father's life with mine, son. And then he pushes his sword so it breaks, and then it c- slits his throat. Wild, just. I thought wild. that was that was like amazing. Yeah, that was that was emotional, and it almost felt like it was so. It good. almost felt like he finds out that who Tian is, and he is like, oh, it's the people that I'm against. My my reaction is, I need to take care, like. I'm against this person, so I need to, like, kill them. But a deeper part of him is, like, but now I have an opportunity to repay a debt. Yeah. I I actually thought that once he said that thing to him, because, you know, he was his father, basically. Uh-huh. When he said that to him, I thought, oh, he was saying all that stuff about his people for show. Yeah, right. Just, just so that he could get to this moment so he could repay mm-hmm. his debt. I thought it was kind of beautiful. Yeah, I think so too. And then it shows. And then the narrator cuts in again. A narrator cuts in and he says something about maybe we can unite his soul with his well, body. Well, basically he says, Tian doesn't survive. Yeah. But, but we can keep his spirit alive by willing it to be alive. So then it like fades into an, uh, a Tian with like a beard. With Ongbok behind him, and then and it's, it's just, just like, what's over. going on? This is cool. And I, I know that's like cliffhanger, and that's like writing one hundred and one bad. But it also, but was, I was what a else were they going to do? It. They had to do a cliffhanger because right. they couldn't make one movie. They had to make half of a movie. But I, I'm saying, as bad as it may or may not have been, I was kind of like, that's cool, I and I like it. it. I loved it. And then seeing the Ongbok statue, I'm like. I feel like this is going to kind of, in a really poetic and interesting way, tie into the first movie. Uh-huh. And, and I think, I mean, our loyal listeners will probably hear me. I, as long as Ongbok 3 sticks to landing, this is going to be my prime example for how a prequel should work. Mm. <laughs> because create a world... Go live in the world. Go way back. Do what? Do something else. Mm-hmm. Don't connect every little thing. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Ongbok 3 could be a disaster. I know. It could. What a crazy movie. Yeah. What a crazy movie. We had a bit of a shorter episode today, but I mean a thorough one. Um, let's see what day this comes out, though. Do you have anything else to say about the movie? I don't think so. It's just so cool and people need to see it. Yeah. So it is July... Um, and this month on Patreon, we are covering the Clone Wars movie. So check that out. That's going to be wild. Um, and then next month, we'll be covering The Protector. Um, yeah, but next week, it is Ongbok 3. And then we'll be jumping right back into Star Wars, the last five movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess he's slicing his back, but I he just looks like he's in a lot of pain. Yeah. Maybe he is wearing armor. I think he is. Okay. So now that we're here at the end, should I skip to the end to see if any animals were harmed in the making of this movie? If you would like to, but I 
I think we can do that off mic. Well, it'll take me a second. Okay. Even if even if you want to be done, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, it is in a different language. That could make it tough. Yeah, but maybe there's a discernible logo. You know? Yeah. Actually, it, they, it's translated, so. Oh, but the thing that might be it is not translated. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, watch this movie, folks. It's so good. Oh, I'm not seeing the logo. Yeah, I think it's possible that animals were harmed in the oh, making of this. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know. You could probably look it up. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.